This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. We're learning Lefushlema Yitzhak Ben Linda. Right? That's the right name? Yitzhak Ben Linda, right? Okay. Lefushlema. So we have some very interesting things to talk about tonight. In this week's parasha, which is parasha's told us. Some of it you've heard before, some of it you've not. But we're going to start off, we're going to try to build into our main subject. Okay, so it starts like this. The Eila told us Yitzhak and Avram, and these are the children of Yitzhak, the son of Avram. Question number one, we knew that Yitzhak was the son of Avram. Why are you telling me this? We just went through a whole parsha, Chai Sarah, right? We went through a parsha by Yera, where Avram Avinu brought Yitzchak up for a carbon. Why are you telling me that it's Yitzchak ben Avram? And then the passage repeats itself. Avram, is Yitzchak. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. If you already told me that Yitzchak was the son of Avram, so then why do you have to tell me that Avram is Yitzchak? Okay. Zuck Rashi. Rashi says the following. Why does it have to tell us that Yitzchak was the son of Avram? Because he says like this. The social network of the Dar, the internet, Facebook, the guys who spread gossip, um, what are they called? The bloggers. Oh yeah. They were bloggers in the times of Rashi. The bloggers, Iron, they said, Me'avi Melech Nisbara Oh, Avram, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get Sarah pregnant. Avimelech made Sarah pregnant. We all know that what happened. Avimelech, uh, the Melech of the Plishtim took, um, her captive, thinking that she was, um, Yitzhak's, um, uh, sister, right? Then he saw that she wasn't. So they were saying that, um, and, and then we, we also know that this happened before, that Avimelech took Sarah. Now, Abraham Avinu did not have children with Sarah for 80 years. Now she gets kidnapped by Abimelech, and right after that she gets pregnant with Yitzchak. So the bloggers were saying, nah, it's not Avram's child. Avram was with Sarah for 80 years, he didn't have children. One night he spends with Abimelech and she's pregnant. Must be that this child Yitzchak is not from Avram, he's from Abimelech. Shabbat Kamashanim Shehaisah, in Avram, there was many years that she was married to Avram. She didn't become pregnant. God still is bigger, bigger than the bloggers. So Hashem said, how am I going to correct this? The bloggers are all saying that it's not Avram's child, that it's, that it's Avimelech's child. What did he do? He made the face of Yitzchak look exactly like Avram. Everyone admitted it's not Avimelech's kid because he wouldn't look like Avram if it was Avimelech's kid. They all admitted that Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. The Zeh Shukasav Khan, the Torah tells us, Yitzchak ben Avram Hoya. It tells us Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram Hoya Yitzchak. There's two questions here. It says, The Eilat tells Yitzchak ben Avram, these are the children of Yitzchak ben Avram. It never tells us the children. Where else do you see this in the Torah? By Noach. Eilat told us Noach, these are the children of Noach. It doesn't say Shem Chalim Yafas, it says Noach Ish Tzadik. It goes off subject and it says that Noach was a Tzadik. It doesn't tell us that, who his children were. Here, it doesn't tell us his children either. It says, Eilat told us Yitzhak ben Avram. These are the children of Yitzhak ben Avram. Avram Yitzhak. You're supposed to tell me 
Yaakov and Esav. So the Torah first wants to tell us, before I tell you who Yitzchak's children are, you need to know who Yitzchak, where he comes from. Avram Haledus Yitzchak, not Abimelech. Okay, that's what Rashi says. Shahari Eidus Yeshavram Haledus Yitzchak. Right? Because by looking alike, we know that he comes from, that Yitzchak comes from Avram. Bomb question. Bomb question. The Lutzani Hadar, right, the bloggers of that generation were saying that, hey, Avram lived with Sarah, he couldn't have any children, along comes Abimelech, she gets pregnant. Must be Tzabimelech. What are you talking about? Who was the one that couldn't have children? Avraham or Sarah? Avraham already had at this point Yishmael. Yishmael was 13 years, 12 years old at this point. So they knew that Avraham could have children. He already had a child. So where does Abimelech come into this? Sarah was the Akara. Sarah was the one who couldn't have a child. So what were they saying? She was one night with Abimelech. She got pregnant. Must be Abimelech's kid. Because if Avram can't have children and now she gets pregnant, must be Avimelech could have children. Avram had children. Everyone knew that he had children. So this whole Litsani Hadar, this whole blog, had no basis to it whatsoever. So why did Hashem have to make that Yitzhak look like Avram? The whole thing doesn't make any sense. And what do we learn from here? When it comes to blogging, when it comes to, to random talking and gossip, doesn't have to make sense. People are ready to run with the gossip. Internally, human beings, my father used to say, success breeds contempt. When someone's successful, everybody hates him. Trump, right? <laughs> nobody likes him. Nobody ever liked him. He's successful. If we've been a failure, uh, uh, nobody would have cared about him. But success breeds contempt, and it's it's human nature. It, it really it really comes from the original sin, which is what, which is jealousy. Why why does success breed contempt? Because you're not successful, and that other person is. So I was talking to the girls in seminary. I said, "Let's talk the truth. Let's let's understand our nature, and then let's understand what we need to do to break our nature." Right. So. These girls are going out, it's not working, it's not working, and then one of their friends, right, gets engaged. And the guy's a great looking guy, and he's rich, and he's Tam Chacham, he's like, every girl's dream. Right? And deep down you're like, why her, not me? I know, I know, I know, I'm not, I'm not talking to anyone here. I'm talking about other people, right? Deep, deep, deep down, you're Tzadikis, so you're good, you're conscious, you right away cover it up, it's like, Chacham, I can't think like that. I'm so happy for her. Why do people have problems going to weddings and they have no problems going to funerals? Everybody runs to funerals. You ever get an invitation in the mail I'm, uh, and next week Wednesday come to my funeral? Right? You don't need an invitation. There's a chatz there's a, there's a thing that goes out. There's a funeral. Everybody's at the funeral. They don't need an invitation. They don't need a personal invitation. They don't need someone to deliver the invitation. They don't need to be the person's best friend. Leviah, we have to go to Leviah. Weddings, it's like, I don't know... She didn't really invite me to hers, you know. I don't know if I, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I have to go. And you have all these excuses. And it's raining. Maybe I'll just go say Mazel Tov. I don't know. It's like such a fetch a ride to go to a wedding. There are actually people who complain that today there's too many weddings. Can't go to so many weddings, right? No one ever said this. You know, I can't go to so many funerals. The funeral every day, you have to go. You have to go. It's a funeral. You have to go. Why? Why do we have such a big problem going to weddings? 
And every time we have simchas, it's like, you know, today you have five simchas, you go four minutes to each one. And you go home, you're done, you're finished, and you, you make sure you come at the right time. Like right after the chuppah, they break the glass, you say, Malatav, they think you were there for the whole chuppah. You know, you got it all figured out, exactly when to get there, because you come to the beginning of the chuppah, then you got to suffer, you got to suffer. For the whole hour of the chuppah, the whole 40 minutes, it's terrible. So you have to time it perfectly, at the end of the chuppah, as she's marching down, you're like, Malatav, oh man, she thinks I was here the whole chuppah, and you're out of there. Right? Why? Why don't you want to stay? Why don't you want to watch someone be happy? Why don't you want someone to be happy? And the answer is, because I'm not so happy. Why should she be? So I'm going to be Yitzha. Human nature. You have to work on it. It's human nature. Now, this girl gets married, and all the friends are like, I don't know, you know, like, we never thought, like, she was the girl in class, we thought we'd get married last. She got married first. How did she get this guy? Right? And then... Nine months later, one of the girls gets a text. Chaya, Miriam, I'll make up a name, Goldalea, just got divorced. That girl got divorced. Boom! Viral! Everyone gets a text that she got divorced. Everyone has to know about it right away. You see? You see? He wasn't such a good guy. Oh, I feel so bad for her. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's like, no, I really feel bad for her. Everyone's crying. Oh, my God. You want to hear the tragedy? The tra- why are you telling everybody the tragedy? Why, why, are you, why are you spreading the word of a tragedy? You need the tragedy? So tragic, our best friend in our grade. You know how many girls get divorced in our grade? Why are you spreading tragedy? Why do people watch the news? And all you see on the news is death and death and a plane crashed, and 75 soccer players died. Isn't that terrible? But Baruch Hashem, it didn't happen to me. And I need to know exactly how they died, and why they died, and what, what happened. What do you, right? They tried, about five years ago, a, they really did. They tried to put out a television news station, only good news. It lasted one month. No, advertise, no advertising companies were willing to advertise on it. You want to watch that someone got married, and you're not? You want to watch someone's a millionaire? Or someone has kids. You want to watch someone else's good stuff that's happening to them? No way. You want to watch everything bad happening because it's not happening to me. It makes you feel good. So when you go to a funeral, deep, deep down, you feel very bad for the people who lost somebody. But I didn't lose anybody. So there's no jealousy. You don't go to a funeral and you're jealous. When you go to a wedding, you're jealous. You say, get me in and get me out. I don't want to deal with it. Sonny Hadar, gossip. Gossip mongers talking bad about people. Shooting the guy who's being successful, shooting him down, makes us feel better. Avram Avinu was on the top of the world. He was rich. He was powerful. He was the Avhamwen Goyim. He was the man. And then he has a kid. And they're all happy because he never had a kid. Right? They figured he's never going to have a kid, so he's a big man, but he doesn't have children. I have children, so I don't have any money. So, but I have children, he doesn't have children. And right? then he had Yishmo, and now all of a sudden, he has this Yitzchak that he's, that, 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 you know, he's, that can't be that it's his kid. Because if it's his kid, then he has everything. Right? Avram Zokim Baba Yomim, Hashem Berach, Avram Bakol. Bakol, says Rashi's Gematria 52. 52 is Gematria Ben. He didn't have everything until he had Yitzchak. Now he had everything. 
You have everything. We got to shoot you down, man. That's not your kid. That's not Melech's kid. What are you talking about? I already had a son. You're small. You know I can have children. Why are you saying it's Abimelech's kid? Hashem said, gossip, these lies, that's what the whole, that's what I talk about all the time, the whole social network is based on lies. And, and, and just watching other people's pain and taking people down and blogging against everybody. So it's all about, it's what it's based on. Why do we believe it? Because we want to believe it. We don't want to believe that other person is successful. So Kirsh Baruch had to go and make a miracle to shut them up. Even though what they were saying made no sense. He already had a son. He wasn't barren. She was barren. Didn't make any sense. Hashem said, the only way to shut them up is to make a, do a miracle. That he look, you looked at the two of them, you didn't know the difference between the two of them. He shut up the Litzani Adar. And it's important to shut up the Litzani Adar. Because they'll just keep going and going and going and going. They're not going to stop. I know about this. I know about this very well. I understand this Rashi personally. I got up Tishabov and gave a 56-minute shear on kids that are suffering and kids that are victims and they went through hell and they went through abuse. And I got up and said, don't be a victim. Don't let the guy who hurt you win. Don't let him win. Get up, fight. Make something of yourself. Be a survivor. Beautiful. A coach. You fell, get up. So a kid went ahead, a little Chinese had door, and he took three minutes out of the 56 minutes, because you can do that online. And he took the three minutes, and he made it look like the Rabbi Wallerstein said that if you're a victim, what are you feeling sorry for yourself? Get up. What are you feeling sorry for yourself? And all the victims were so hurt. Rabbi Wallerstein got up and said, we shouldn't feel, our, he doesn't feel our pain. Oh, He's the rabbi that agrees with the abusers. He's probably an abuser. All the rabbis are abusers. Everybody's an abuser. It went viral. Viral like you never heard in your life. People were coming over to me at the end of Tisha Do you understand what's going on online? Do you understand what's going on on Facebook? Goes up posting four-letter words. Rabbi should die. Rabbi Wallstein should burn in hell. Rabbi Wallstein this. He's an abuser. He's that. I'm like, you're kidding me. What are you talking about? I just gave like, I gave like chizuk speech. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, you don't understand. Then this rabbi got up, who I thought was my friend, and he stabbed me in the back. He wrote about me. We do you have right to get up and speak? You're not a therapist. Like, like if you're dealing with 30, for 38 years with kids, you don't know what you're doing. But if you go to school for therapy and you went to listen to Freud, the, the, whatever he taught you, he knows what he's doing, right? So, and this guy ripped me. And I was like... What? You too, Brute? You too? You too stabbing me in the back? Why don't you call me? If, if you really wanted to know what I said before you sent out your message to all the youth kids that Ryan Wallstein did, always do that, why don't you call me and say, Rabbi, what did you mean? What did you mean when you said what you said, Rabbi? I care about you. There's, there's all kinds of garbage going on about you. You're my friend. We're both rabbis. What did you mean? Tell me what you meant. Maybe we could send a message to the kids together. Nah. Never called me. Never asked me what I meant. Went online and joined the Litzayne Hadar. So I know what Rashi is talking about. I could not understand that I sat there 
look, I'm on Mars, first of all, I don't have Facebook, so I didn't know what was going on. People were telling me, they were, you know, I, don't, I don't have that information. And I sat there and I said to myself, I'm the guy that, that has the ranch for these kids. I'm the guy that opened the high school for these kids. I'm the guy that's in the psych wards all day and all night. I'm the guy that flies around the world to, to rehabs, to places I have nothing to eat. I, 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 just to see the girls and the boys that go through this. How could they be writing that I got up and said, I don't care about the victim. How could anyone be writing that? That's what Sinai Adar. You, you're on top, you have a school, you're doing well, you're successful. No, you can't be successful. It has to be Avi Melech. You got to be a bad guy. There's no way you can be a good guy. There's no way you can really mean it. That's what, I lived it. I lived it. I lived this Rashi. That's what Sinai Adar. Nobody called me and said, please explain. What did you mean? I asked everyone, did you listen to the 56 minute share? So it's a three minutes out of 50 minutes. Did you? No! I listened to the three minutes. I'm like, listen to the whole share. Listen to the whole share. And then I went, listen to, and they told me, don't answer. And I'm not like that. So I answered and I clarified. I said, that's not what I meant. And I meant to give you chizuk and that, you know, don't let them win. The guy that hurt you, if he sees you're down, then he thinks he won. Let's show them that, they're, they're, that we're the tough ones. And Hashem tells us on Tisha B'av that the first half a day, you sit on the floor, you're a victim. But then at Chatzot, you get up. Hashem says, Shtayof, get up, sit on a chair, put on your tefillin, dam and mincha. It's a new world. Get up and live. I don't want Klaishol sitting on the, on the floor the whole time. You sit Shiva at the last morning. The people get up and they say to the people sitting Shiva, Shtayof, 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 get up, get up, get up. Walk around the block, go back into the world. Listen to the whole shir. It's a crazy chizik shir. It's a crazy chizik shir. Why don't you listen to the whole shir? I went ahead and I clarified it. With a three-minute clarification. What happened? That rabbi came out and said, see, he didn't apologize. So he just made it worse. So they all came flying back. Hey, see these rabbis? They say what they want. They don't even apologize. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I went ahead and I did a 15-minute share where I apologized to everyone. I said, if you, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I meant to give you chizik. But sometimes people get hurt when you don't mean to hurt them. So if you're hurt, God forbid I apologize. I never would hurt Never would hurt anybody. I definitely wouldn't hurt someone who went through who went through what you went through. And I have a fifteen minute apology. Do you think that rabbi posted again? Rabbi Wallstein apologized. That was the end of his post. How many hits were there on my three minute? The guy that took the three minute clip out. How many people hit that three minute clip? Three hundred seventy five thousand. How many people hit my fifteen minute apology? 227. Oh my gosh. Why? Why? Because gossip mongers, they don't want your apology. They don't want you to be good. You're successful. They want to take you down. Even your best friend, even the guy you think that's, that he's with you, he wants to take you down. He wants you to grow on your back. Because now all the kids are like, whoa, he's a good rabbi. This guy's a lowlife. This guy's a good rabbi. This is what life is about. This is, we have contempt for success. We're jealous. So we go to funerals. We don't want to go to weddings. We want to go to funerals. We want to see other people's tragedies. Divorce? Oh, it's so terrible. Let me tell all my friends she's divorced. Why are you telling all your friends? If it's terrible, why are you telling your friends? So they got to tell them. And David for her. Nobody takes out a tell them. David's for her. 
or maybe I can help her, maybe I can do something. No! All my friends need to know, the whole Chevrolet has to know. We're so happy we're not married, because she got divorced. You see, we were jealous of that guy. He was really a lowlife. You know, people, it's always when you, when you go by mansions. I remember we went, we went by mansions in California. So you go at Hollywood, all these big places, huge mansions, right? So, so everyone's standing, sitting in, the, sitting in this bus. You go, see the stars. What do you think everyone's saying on the bus? They see this house, huge mansion. Yeah, but you know who lives there? Her husband committed suicide. Oh, that one got divorced. She went to jail for five years. God forbid that that mansion should have someone, a happy family. Oh, it's a big house, but they're not happy. We have this in us. It's hador. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Red Wallstein doesn't love these children. It doesn't make sense. Why would he want to hurt them? This is what he does. His whole life is given to them. I don't have time with my family. I have no life. My whole life is to take care of these people. And then you're saying, what, a therapist, he has no right to talk to kids because he's not a therapist? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you don't, you don't, so, so why do we go to Rav Chaim Kainaski? I'm not Rav Chaim Kainaski. Why do we go to anyone and ask them for help? They're all therapists? I don't think so. So this was just, just, to hurt, just to build on someone else's back. And we do that. And we have to look into ourselves. And we have to fix that. It's a very terrible thing. We have to be happy to see another person happy. And if we hear a tragedy, don't put it on your WhatsApp or whatever it is. It's a tragedy. You don't want to talk about it. They'll find out. Your friends will find out about it already. Well, you need to be the bearer of bad, of, of bad news. Why are we always the bearer of bad news? Be the bearer of good news. Get the jealousy out of your heart. If someone else is successful, so, so appreciate that. And maybe talk to them or try to be also. We're, not, we're all different, successful in different things. There's nothing to be jealous of. If I, if I have the radio, I'm the radio man in the army. I'm not jealous of the tank guy. He's the tank guy. He, and, and the sniper, I'm going to try my, with my radio to shoot someone. It's not going to work. If the guy's going to try to talk into his rifle, it's not going to work. Each one of us has our life to do with our life. What are, you, what are you looking at someone else? And if someone else is successful, Baruch Hashem is successful in what they're supposed to do. You need to be successful in what you're supposed to do. To get that out, it's very hard. I'm not telling you it's easy. We have to work very hard to get that out. It made no sense. But Hashem had to fight the bloggers. So he went ahead and he made a miracle to fight the bloggers. He didn't just say, okay, let them talk about Abraham Avinu. No, let them talk. They're bad guys anyway. They're bloggers, right? No, Hashem had to make a miracle. He wanted to shut them up. And it worked. Because the whole thing doesn't make any sense. He was not barren. She was. And Yishmael was born already at this point. So he was 12 years old. So they saw him. And they knew that Avram could have a child. Okay. I got that off my chest. Now. <laughs> thank you for that therapy session. It took since Tisha B'Av for me to talk about it. All right. Because Rashi is Rashi. Success breeds contempt. Everybody's waiting for you to fall. Everybody. When you're up there, she can't wait till you fall. They're just like, I knew it. You thought he was a good guy. He's not such a good guy. I knew it. It hurts. Why does it hurt if someone? Why does it hurt if someone is a good guy? Why does it hurt if, so, if a girl is a good girl? Why does she have to have some kind of stuff behind her? Why can't you accept? Why, why, what's wrong with that? Why can't human beings appreciate when another person is, is doing something right? Why do you always have to look for the bad for the funeral? Everyone runs to the funeral. Everyone runs to the funeral. Nobody wants to go to the wedding. Okay. Next plastic. It gets even harder. But he gets up in Abam Shana Bekachta is Rifka Baspisuel Harami, Vipadan Aram, Achois, Lovan Arami, Loyli Isha. And Yitzchak was 40 years old when he took Rifka. 
Who was Rivka? The daughter of Besuel. Did we know that already? Sure we did. Very bad city. Achoy Slovan, very bad guy. Harami Loyli Isha. Why does the Pasik have to tell me all the bad stuff about Rivka's family? Just say, Why do you have to tell me her father was no good, or her brother was no good, or the city where she came from was no good? Why do you have to tell me everyone's no good? Says Rashi. To learn shrach on her. That even though she came from a bad town, even though her father was a lowlife, even though her brother was a lowlife, she ended up being Rifka. I want to go a little different than what Rashi says. The Torah is teaching us here something very important, which we're not going to speak that much about tonight because I came late. We're going to speak a little bit about it. And that's called spiritual DNA. I talk about it a lot. I'm in the middle of writing a book about it. One of these days I'll get finished. The main chapter in the beginning of the book is this week's parsha. The first spiritual DNA we see, just like there's physical DNA, which has a lot of control on your, on your color of your hair, the color of your skin, the color of your eyes. When you go to a doctor, he asks you for your medical history, your parents and your grandparents. If, you have certain, if they have certain diseases, he looks for those diseases. You have to take certain precautions. As a woman, where normally you have to do these precautions at 40, but if your mother had breast cancer, then you have to do these precautions at 18, 20. What's, why? Because my mother? Yes, because if that's your mother's DNA, we have to be more careful with you. And there's a lot of awareness to that. So the doctor looks at your parents and your grandparents. How they died, are they still alive, what diseases did they have, your medical history, not your personally, but where you come from. Why? Because there's a DNA, and there are DNA flags, right? There's Ashkenaz and, 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 and that whole test that they take, right, for certain diseases. is only for Polish people who come from Poland. Svartim don't have a, don't have Tay-Sachs. Svartim can't get Tay-Sachs, but Ashkenazim can get Tay-Sachs. So you have to take the test. Why doesn't Svartim can't get Tay-Sachs? Because it's not in their genetics. So they're not going to get Tay-Sachs unless they marry an Ashkenazi. Even that they can't. It has to be two Ashkenazim. So there's diseases that mamish, if you don't have the genetics, you're not going to get it. So in the physical world, God created DNA. And DNA can tell you a hair follicle, a piece of blood, can, tell, can track the whole human being by the DNA. DNA is evidence. In the spiritual world, the spiritual world and physical world mirror each other. There is spiritual DNA. Yeah, uh, Avram Avinu was a Baal Rachamim. We don't know Avram Avinu, we never met him. But if I don't have any Rachamim, they say check, check you out to make sure that you, somewhere your mother wasn't Jew, your grandmother, great mother wasn't Jewish. If you don't have that DNA in you, if you don't have Rachamim, the Benoist Salafchad, who fought for Eretz Yisrael, they came from Yosef, Rashi says, Yosef had a certain love, a crazy love for Eretz Yisrael, and that came out in the Benoist Salafchad many, many generations. And the, the first DNA is, is, um, Chava. Chava ate from the tree. The aver that she ate from the tree was when the Nachash told her that Hashem has something you don't have. So she became jealous. She ate from the tree. What did that cause? Death. Right? When she ate from the tree, she brought death into the world. Next generation, same spiritual DNA. Cain kills Hevel. Why? Because he's jealous. Death from jealousy, Chava. Death from jealousy, Cain and Hevel. So there is a thing called spiritual DNA. How did Asaph show up? The proof he brings down in, in the Medrash that the Lutzani had proof. They had the three-minute tape. They had my three-minute tape. They had proof that it wasn't Avram's child, Yitzchak. What was their proof? They said like this. When, when Yaakov and Esau were born, they said, how could it be that the grandfather of Esau could come from Avram? Avram was such a tzaddik. Yitzchak, right, 
must have come from Avimelech. Sarah was a Sadekista. So Yaakov came from the DNA of Sarah. But Esau was a Russia. He cannot have come from the DNA of Avram. He must have come from the DNA of Avimelech. So they had a proof to their whole thing, to their whole blogging, that it's got to be. This Pusik says you have no proof. You want to know where Esau came from? You know who Rivka came from? Besuel. That's her DNA. You know who her brother was? Lavan. That's her DNA. You know what town she came from? Padnaram. That's her DNA. So therefore, you don't have a big question that Esau must have come from Abimelech. No, Esau came from Rivka. And the DNA of where she came from caused Esau to come from Rivka. Now, Esau could have changed that. Esau, could you, how do you change your DNA? I didn't say this in my last night's share. This is very important for tonight's share. How does a person change your DNA? So you're stuck? Your mother's a Russia and your grandmother's a Russia? You're a Russia? You're stuck? Are you going to have a Russia? No. Because the Rambam and the Zayar says that when a person does tshuva, you become a beria chadasha. You become a new creation. So, if you're struggling with sneers and you do tshuva, now that you're a new person and you overcame your struggle on sneers, your grandchildren and children will have a much easier time dealing with problems in sneers. Once you do tshuva, you're a beria chadasha. When you become a new creation, you have new DNA. That's how you change your DNA. That's a Zoyar and that's a Rambam. The Rambam says that when you, when you do tshuva, you're such a Be'er Chadasha, you're supposed to change your name. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to name that person a new name. We don't pass him like that. Because why don't we pass him like that, everyone? My name is Zechariah Shimon Wallerstein. What happens if tomorrow, my name is Yehuda Chaim Wallerstein? You're like, oh my God, what Avera did he do? <laughs> if every time I do tshuva, I have to change my name, every two days I have a new name, you're all going to look at me like, what kind of guy is this? Right? And every day, everyone's changing their name. So someone who doesn't change their name for a month, you're like, ooh, that's a Tadeka stuff. But all of a sudden, she, you say, hi, Khan. He goes, no, not Khan anymore. It's Rifki. What did you do last night? What other did you do? Why is your name Rifki? So we don't paskin, like the Rambam, that you have to change your name. It just wouldn't work. But really, you're a Beri Chadasha. And therefore, if you're a Beri Chadasha, you have a new DNA. So the Pasuk goes on, and the Pasuk says the following. Also, very hard Pasuk to understand. And then I'm going to read you a an unbelievable, which will teach us all how to bring up children. Beautiful, beautiful, um, where does he bring it from? Uh, all right, we'll see from inside. But anyway, so here's, here's one more question, then we'll go to the Sefer. It says the following. Yitzhak began to pray to God opposite his wife. Because she couldn't have children. And Hashem listened to him. And Rivka became pregnant. Okay? So, what happened here? They went up on a roof and they, Rashi says, and they went to two opposite sides of the roof. I never understood why Rashi had to tell us where they prayed. What's the difference? They went on the roof, they went into the garden, they went into their room. Right? Why? I, I, I didn't get a chance to look at it, but there must be a reason that Rashi says this. And according to Rashi, they daven l'noichach, they daven opposite each And then the Pesach says, that Hashem listened to him. Imagine a girl came to me and said, a girl came to Rav Chaim Kainevsky, husband and wife. They're like, Rav Chaim, we don't have children 15 years. We need a bracha. He says, listen, what you need to, you need to do. 
You need to go to the Kosel on the last night of Hanukkah at midnight. And the two of you need to daven like you never daven before. Mamash Achatzois, you'll have a baby. They go. Last night of Hanukkah, she's crying like you never heard a woman cry. He's davening like you never heard a guy cry. She gets pregnant. She has a baby. They make a bris. Now they come back to Rav Chaim to say thank you. So she comes with her husband. Chaim, thank you so much for giving us, telling us when to daven. We have a little baby. I want to show you my little baby boy. And Rav Chaim doesn't take women. I'm just giving you an example. And Chaim looks at at the lady, and he says to her, You? You think Hashem listened to your tefillah? Hashem didn't listen to one word you said. Do you know why you got pregnant and had a child? Because your husband's a tzaddik. And Hashem listened to him. Your tefillah? Hashem didn't listen to it at all. Would Rav Chaim ever do that? Chas Shalom, nobody would ever do that. Even if he had Ruch HaKosh, nobody told him, by the way, you know these two daven, Hashem listened to him. He would never tell her that. He would say, you both daven, you have a healthy child, Baruch Hashem's like a bench. Why would the Torah tell us? Yitzchuk went to one corner. Rivka went to the other corner. You know who Hashem listened to? Yitzchak, not Rivka. What was the Torah tell? Torah tell? They went to daven, and he listened to them. What's going on over here? Why would the Torah embarrass Rivka that her tefillah was not accepted? But yet, low, the Pasuk says, Hashem listened to him. And what's the Neichach Ishtai? Who cares where they were standing? So the Territ is like this. There was a very big argument between Rivka and Yitzchak. Yitzchak said, he, they thought they were only having one child. They didn't know they were having twins. Yitzchak said to Hashem, listen, my wife, I'm davening that my wife should get pregnant. If you're going to give me a child, either he should be a tzaddik, or a Russia. I don't want a child that's in between, like gray. I don't want a child that davens but watches movies. Makes a, a Shabbos table, but then he goes to, he, then he, then he goes shopping. I, I want someone that he's good to the, good, to, as best he could be, or bad to the bone. Don't give me no gray. I don't want gray. I want white, love him, or black. I don't want gray. Don't give me gray. Rivka said, no way. I don't want white or black. I'll take a kid that's close to shul, but watches movies, you know. He's half and half. What was the argument based on? What was the argument based on? Yitzchak had a brother, Yishmael. Right? Half-brother, Yishmael from Abram. Yishmael was, was bad to the bone. As good as Yitzchak was white... Yishmael was black. Yitzchak saw that because Yishmael was very bad, in the end he did tshuva. He became a tzaddik. So Yitzchak saw that you could be, if you're totally bad, you could come all the way back. So he believed, if you're going to give me a tzaddik, great. But if you don't give me a tzaddik, don't give me a shushu kid. Don't give me a shushu kid. Give me a guy that's bad, he's, he'll feel guilty. Right? He won't feel good about himself. He'll change like my, like my brother Yishmael. So that's what he davened for. Rivka had a brother Lavan. Totally bad. Avram Avinu and everybody tried to change him. Couldn't change him. So she saw, that if you have a real Russia, sometimes you just can't change him. I don't want such a kid. I don't want a kid like my brother Lavan. So give me someone, at least has some good in him, I'll be able to turn him. 
They both, from their life experience, davened for two different things. He had a brother that was a Russia and became a tzaddik. She had a, bro- a brother that was a Russia that you couldn't change. So she said, I think maybe if a kid is half good and half bad, I'll be able to change him. My brother Lavan, who was totally bad, I couldn't change. So they both davened from their life experiences. Hashem said, He's right. He's right. Better have a one that's totally good or totally bad. You see, because when you're totally bad, you have a guilty conscience. If, you, if you're learning and you go to the movie, whatever you're doing wrong, but at least I'm learning, so you don't feel like you have to change. I, I used to teach Israeli kids, right? And, and I didn't know what to tell them because they used to come to shul on Shabbos in a car. And they asked me, what's better, Rebbe, come in a car or not come? So I got two different opinions. Come in a car, at least you came, right? But you, when you come to shul in a car, you're never going to change and not come in a car because you went to shul. You don't have a guilty conscience. They have these, uh, I forget what it's called, the Shabbos meal, where they make Kiddush and Hamotzi, right? They have a certain word for it, Shabbos something, they're not from, and then they go to watch movies. And they're, Israeli, and they're, they're very happy with themselves because they're keeping the customs. But if they have nothing, the Balchuva, who comes from Oklahoma and never saw anything, much easier to make a Balchuva than someone who's half, that's, someone who, to take a conservative Jew and make them orthodox, it's, it's not easy. To take a Jew that's nothing and make them orthodox, it's much easier. So Hashem said, he's right. So Hashem listened to what Yitzhak prayed for, black or white. Now she gets pregnant. She goes past an Apple store where they're selling iPhones. And the baby's trying to get out to get the iPhone 7. Right? Or the new apps. And then she goes past the yeshiva, mirror yeshiva, and the kid's trying to go out to, to learn something. She's like, I don't understand. You want an iPhone? You want to go learn? Like, what, what are you doing? Right? He's all mixed up. So she says the following. Right? And I'm going to tell you something beautiful that I, that I, that I saw today. The, the kids were fighting inside. He tried to get out to shul. Then he tried to get out to the movies. This kid's all mixed up, right? So she said, In Cain, if this is the case, she only thought she had one kid at this time. Why, Hashem, you listen, did you listen? Uh, you told, told us, Baruch HaKodesh, that you listen to Yitzchak, that you're giving me a kid who's, good, who's either good or bad. It seems to me that you listen to me. Because you gave me a kid that's Shushu. He wants to go to Shul, but he wants to go to, he wants to, go to church. So she said, Why did you listen to me? You said you listened to Yitzchak. She went to, to inquire from Hashem. It translates Hashem with Yeshua, Hashem Ve'ever. But really, Lidris is Hashem is to say, Hashem, I don't understand you. You said you listened to Yitzchak. You said you gave me a kid who's either good or bad, and I have this one kid in me that's, that, that, that's Shushu. So you listen to me. So what's going on? Ah, what's going on? Hashem. So Yeshiva, Hashem Ve'ever said, You have twins. Hashem listened to Yitzchak. You have one solid bad you have one solid good. This is not a shushu kid. There's no shushu kid here. Yaakov is totally good, and Esau is totally bad. I didn't listen to you. I listened to him. You have twins. Oh. And they're going to separate, and they're going to be different. The Rav Yavoyt Sa'ir. And the older brother will serve the younger brother. I said something beautiful today. All of us have, by its rights through Banan Bikirba. All of us have we want to go to church, not to church, but we want to do things we're not supposed to because we have a Yetzirah. Shnei goyim evitnech. And you also have a Yetzirah that wants to take you to shul and take you to learn. And we all have the struggle of we all have the struggle of pulling me here, pulling me there, pulling me here, pulling me there. 
said, listen to this, said Shem Ve'ever, said HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when I'm going to give you all a bracha, the Rav Yavoyt Sha'ir, the older one will serve the younger one. Who's older, the Yitzhahara or the Yitzhatov? And all of you, who's older? The Yitzhahara comes when, when you're born. There's in the Gemara. The Yitzhahara comes when you're born or when you're conceived. When does the Yitzhatov come? When you're 12 years old by a girl, when you're 13 years old by a boy. So by the time the Yitzhatov shows up, the Yitzhahara is already 12 years old. Yitzhahara is already 13 years old. The older one, which is the Yitzhahara, will serve the younger one, which is the Yitzhatov. It's a big bracha that happens. That's the bracha. You think you can't overcome the Yitzhahara? You could. Because the older one is going to serve the younger one. In fact, my Rebbe used to say, you think, we all think, if I asked anybody, who's stronger, your evil inclination or your good inclination? Everybody says what? Evil for sure. He's in your head all the time. He's making you crazy. The evil inclination is much stronger. I'll bring you proof that the Yitzhahara is much stronger. Who gets the head start? You got your Yitzhahara 12 years before the Yitzhahara. So the Yitzhahara gets a 12-year head start before the Yitzhahara shows up. When you have a race, who do you give the head start to? The faster runner or the slower runner? Of course the slower runner. You don't give the faster runner a head start. It's mashma that the Yitzhahara has to work on you already 12 years before the Yitzhahara shows up that the Yitzhahara is stronger. So this is, this is a bracha to us. that the, You're older. Okay, now. So that was the answer to her question. And the question is, yeah, no, you have two kids. One's bad to the boy. And Esav, in the end, didn't do tshuva. So she was sort of right. You couldn't turn Esav. There's reasons that, but it said that if Esav would have done tshuva, he would have been bigger than any of the Avos, including Avram. It would have been the biggest of the world. It was supposed to be, originally it was supposed to be four Avos and four Imahos. Leah was supposed to marry Esav. He was supposed to be the Av. And there's a, the Gemara says that his place is set by the table, by the Suda Shalab Yasser Mashiach, there's a, there's a setting for him, and he wants to sit there. But Hashem doesn't let him sit there. But originally he was supposed to sit there. He was bigger than Yaakov Avino. That's why his head ended up in the Raza Machpela. He was huge. He was huge. But he never changed. And the Medrash blames Yitzchak. I can't go and blame Yitzchak Avino, but that he was too easy on him. He was much tougher on Yaakov, and he was easier on Esav, and that's why Esav ended up. But... It's a medrash. It's hard to it's hard to understand. I, I, you, you know, to blame Yitzchak for it. Okay. Anyway, I want to read you something amazing, and we'll close with this. This is so beautiful. And I looked. I actually, um, I actually looked to find this for years, and I couldn't find it. And Baruch Hashem, I found it. And this is what happened. Listen carefully. And this is a lesson for all of us. And by the way, I just want to remind everyone: for the first time in three years, February, the first week of February is the Oranava Shabbaton. We haven't had the Shabbaton in three years. It's going to be the most amazing Shabbaton. It is, it is in, the, in um, the Sheraton, wherever. Piscata. Pis, no, not Piscata. Wait. Parsippany. Gorgeous hotel. I don't even want to tell you who we're after as a speaker, as speakers, um, superstars, and who the entertainment is. Mati Shabbos is totally off the chart. I'll just give you a hint. He's from Eretz Yisrael. And he's, whatever, totally off the charts. But anyway, so we want to make this an unbelievable Shabbaton for everyone. Um, I will have next week, Wednesday, raffles for a trip to Eretz Yisrael. And you can sell the raffles and with that money pay for your room. For girls, it's $250 for the Shabbos. But you don't have to take it out of your pocket. You can sell the raffles and then use that money. Give us the money and we'll, and we'll 
and we'll use that. So, so if girls get $250 from the raffles, you end up coming for nothing. It's an amazing Shabbaton. Whoever's been on it, ask the rabbi, goes from 11.30 at night to Shachas. <laughs> Seriously. So we got smart. In the old days, when we first did the Shabbaton, so we had five, six rabbis sitting there, and the girls started asking at 11.30, and at 8.30 was davening, and at 8.30 we went straight to davening. We didn't sleep at all. Because we had a lot of questions. Shaitals, it looks, it's nicer than you're here, and chiduchim questions, and all kinds of stuff. You know, attacking the rabbi. It's great. It's unbelievable. It's open. It's fantastic. What? The first week of February. February 3rd. So one of the rabbeim said to, one of the guys said, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stay up all night till 8 or 30 in the morning. I gotta sleep a little bit. So we came up with Vasikin. Vasikin is 5.30. So we have to down Vasikin. So 5 o'clock, it's over, and we go down Vasikin, and then we sleep. Problem is that some girls also go to Vasikin. <laughs> and then we finish Vasikin, like, can I ask you one more question or two more questions? Anyway, it's amazing, there's energy. It, there's fantastic food, there's fantastic ruchnias, there's fantastic Matzi Shabbos, we'll have a couple of Shachanim there, we just, gonna, we just haven't done it in a long time and I feel very bad because Nechama, who I was very close to, Nancy, the one thing she asked me every year is, when's going to be the Shabbaton? In the last three years we didn't have it and now she's not here anymore and she used to always open up my speech Friday night with poems. It was amazing. Okay, she's in Shemayim, she's in a good place. Alright, anyway, listen to this. Now, Ramavinu had a son, Yishmael. Yishmael was a para Adam. He used to stand at the corners and steal. He started to affect Yitzhak Avinu. Sari Imenu threw him out, said we have to throw him out with his mother, with Hagar. She was also trouble. Hagar, Hagar made fun of Sarah that Sarah couldn't have children, and she could. So it bothered Sarah a lot. There was, there was a, not such good... Uh, Relationship between the two of them. Anyway, Abraham Avinu said, "No, I'm not throwing my son out." She said, "But he's affecting our other son, Yitzchak." Abraham Avinu said, "I'm not. Sorry. I, I'm the big Balchuva man. If I, I, I work on my kid." She says, "No. Why are you working on your kid? He's taking Yitzchak down. Ask Hashem. We can't do that, but he could do that." So he went to Hashem. Hashem, I, I want to keep my boy, and she wants me to throw him out, which I do. Hashem said, "You can't sacrifice Yitzchak for Yishmael." You have to send them out, give them food, whatever you have to, but send them out. He can't be home anymore. So Abraham Avinu sent them out. But it was his son. But he threw him out because he was a bad boy. You see from here, and I've had this discussion with people, so there are some people out there that say, you're never allowed to throw your child out of the house. I said, how could you say that? You, you, can, you can go against God? You see God in the situation of Yishmael threw him out of the house, told him to throw him out of the house. How can you say you never can throw your child out of the house? What we learn from this is, no, you can never throw your child out of the house if he's your only child. But if he's taking down other children, you have no right to sacrifice one child for another. So in the case of Yishmael, the only reason Hashem said is you can throw him out of the house is because Yishmael affected Yitzchak. If Yishmael, when Yishmael was in the house by himself, nobody told him to go out. Okay? So there is a time where a teacher or a school or a parent, as hard as it is, has to send the kid out. If that kid is a machti, if that kid in my school, there's no way you get thrown out of BCA. You can't get thrown out of BCA. You can stand on your head and you can put something on your face. I want to be thrown out. We're not going to throw you out. There's only one way you get thrown out. If you sell drugs to other kids, if you bring something bad into the school 
to hurt other kids, bye-bye, and don't ever turn around, you're not coming back to my school. Don't come into my school and hurt my students. It has to be a safe place. Once you make this place, my house, not safe for my other children, you can't be here. Okay? Now, what happened? This is the lesson. Aram Avinu didn't just throw him out. Listen carefully. And he says the following. It's from Pirkei the Rebbe and don't ever forget this. Shiarua, Shigirish Avram is Yishmobi, basically threw him out of the house. You think that Avram Avinu forgot about his son? He never forgot about his son. And he went to visit him. After he threw Yishmol out, he went to visit him. And he says the following. Yishmol was 27 years old when he got thrown out of the house of Avram. So Yishmol left. He left. He's gone. And he took a woman from the plains of Moab. The Isa Shemo, Ayin Yud Shinhei. What was this woman's name that Yishmol married? Isa. What's Isa, girls? Anyone know? Dough. When you make a dough before it rises, it's just a plain dough. It's called Isa. Her name was Isa. Laachashalashanim, after three years that Yishmol had left. Halach Avram, Lira says Yishmol, but no. Yishmol went to Avram Avinu. You think he just threw him out and forgot about him? He went to visit his son. He loved him. So just because I threw you out of the house, I want to see how you're doing. I don't understand this part of the Pekadur or other, but Vinishba, he swore, Ramavino swore to Sarah, to Sarah, Shalayarad Malgamal Makam Yishmal Sharisham, that he was not going to get off his camel. He's going to go visit Yishmal, but he's not getting off his camel to step into Yishmal's house. Why Sarah made him swear that, I don't know, but he swore it. Okay? Hegil Hashem Machatzi Yom, it took him a half a day, and he got to Yishmal's house. Umatzasham Ishtesha Yishmal, and standing outside was this woman, Isa. The wife of Yishmael. Amalah, he said to her. Now she didn't know, she didn't know who Avram Avinu was. She never saw him before, right? So she has no idea who she's talking to. Amalah, he said to Isa, Heichel hu Yishmael, where's, where's Yishmael? Amalah, she said to him, Halachu midbar. Him and his mother Hagar, they went to the midbar, to the desert, to gather dates. Amalah, Avram Avinu said to her, Tanili ma'at lechem ma'at mayim, please give me a little bread and a little water. He was hungry. Give me something to eat, something to drink. Because I'm tired from traveling in the desert. She said to him, There's no water and there's no bread. You want to hear about spiritual DNA? Where did she come from? What did I tell you in the beginning of the story? She came from Moab. When Israel left, why aren't we allowed to marry a Moavi? When Israel left Mitzrayim, we said, could you give us some bread and water? And Moab said, no, we're not giving you anything to eat. So Moab's DNA is not to give to eat. This girl, who his name is, and a guy called me today, he told me, this guy called me, and he said, the name is Isa. Isa is dough that didn't rise yet. So it's just dough. It doesn't, it, it doesn't fill you up. It doesn't do anything. It's not done. That was her name. That's who she was. So she said, no, I don't have no bread. I don't have no water. Now that's the opposite of Avram Avinu, right? He gives, he, everyone who came, he gave to you. Amalah! So he said, can you do me a favor? When your husband comes home, just tell him what I'm about to tell you. Just repeat. He didn't introduce who he was. Just repeat what I'm saying. And he said, 
tell him an old man came to visit him from the land of Canaan to see him that in the end tell him I said in the end this house this house it's not going to end up okay which Yishmael understood from Avraham Avinu that what's a house a wife so what Avraham Avinu was leaving Yishmael a message this woman you're married to she is no good she is no good he didn't say I asked her for better water Yishmael understood it his father said it's no good so what happened when Yishmael came back, this Isa told him what Avram said. Shulcha, he immediately He threw her out of the house and he divorced her. Get out of here. You're not for me. And Hagar didn't want him to be single, his mother. So she found him another wife from, one, from, from I guess, from the Yishmaelim, from his relatives. Ushma Petuma. Petuma means to stuff. That was her name, to stuff. It's the opposite, to feed, to stuff. Okay? <laughs> Listen to this. He comes back again after three years. <laughs> he came to visit him. He swore to Sarah. I'm not getting off the camel. He got there after half a day. He met the second wife. His mother and himself went to the midbar to um, to graze the camels. He said to her, "Can you give me some water and some bread? Because I'm tired." And see, she took out bread, she took out water, she gave it to him. Avram got up. This time he got up and he and he davened for his son. And his house filled up from all types of brachas. When Yishmael came back, the woman told him what happened. And Yishmael knew that until now, his father was still thinking about him and his father was still, still um, had rachmim on him. This is amazing. Even though he threw him out, he never forgot him. And even though he threw him out because Hashem told him to, he came these two times to visit him. And he, and he gave him Musa. He said, get rid of your wife. And he listened. Because his father cared about him, because Yishmael knew that his father didn't forget about him, Yishmael did tshuva. This is an amazing... Pirkei Drevel Yezer on so many points. Number one, just because I throw you out doesn't mean I don't care about you. What yeshiva throws a kid out and then follows him for the next six years to see how he's doing? That's the problem. Sometimes you have to throw a kid out because he's a machti. But why aren't you following him? Why aren't you visiting him? Why aren't you caring about him? Avraham Avinu threw him out. Hashem told him to throw him out. But Hashem never told him you can't visit him. Just because you have to throw out a kid from school because he's a machdu or your house doesn't mean that you can't visit him and you can't care about him. I have such a story. There was a girl in my school, the only girl in my life, the only student in my life, 38 years of teaching, that I sent throughout of school was one girl in my life. And I was 100% right. She was being a machdu. But even though I was causing other people to sin, but even though I did the right thing, 
I caused her crazy pain throughout my school. But I was right. And she wouldn't back down. She would not say she's sorry. The other girl that was involved said she's sorry. She was a, she's a tough kid. She wouldn't back down. So I didn't back down. A year after it happened, maybe two years after it happened, I'm standing by the Kaisel, three years ago. I'm standing by the Kaisel, Erev Yom Kippur at three o'clock in the morning. Okay, I go to, I go to Vasikim, but I go early. I'm standing by the Kaisel, I'm looking at the Kaisel, and I'm saying to myself, there's one kid in this world that I really hurt. I was right. But because you're right doesn't mean you didn't hurt the person. You can be right, but you hurt the person. I said, this girl's walking around, she hates my guts. She is so angry at me that I threw her out of school. I gotta ask Mechila. I don't know if I'm gonna call, she's gonna answer, but three o'clock Israeli time is nine o'clock, is eight o'clock American time. I walked away from the Kaiso to the Chatzar. I dialed her number, I had her number from school. She picks up. Hello? I'm like, don't hang up the phone. It's Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm calling to apologize. And it's like, silent. Because the last person she ever dreamt that would apologize was me. I said, I'm standing by the car, so I'm not going to get into the whole discussion whether you're right or I'm right. It doesn't matter. I'm wrong because I caused you pain. And I'm asking Mechila, not for right or wrong, I'm asking Mechila for the last, I think it was two years, that you've just been in so much pain. And she goes, it's going to take me a while to forgive you. I'm like, okay, I got a while. No problem. Every single year, including this year, 3 o'clock in the morning, Erev Yom Kippur, I call her. We're already best friends, but I call her. And I'm like, how you doing? What's going on? Are you in school? What's happening? She wasn't doing so well for a while. I follow her. She knows I care. It took me two years to get there. Just because you're right doesn't mean you didn't hurt the person. So even if you're right, you still have to ask them forgiveness. But the most important thing to the person is... And this is a, I spoke about this yesterday, not in my show last night, but don't ever forget this. If you care about me, and you threw me out, and you're claiming that you threw me out because you care about me and you want me to be better, then how come you never followed up? If you never followed up after you threw me out, that means it wasn't about me that you threw me out. It was about you. And that's a very different feeling so yeah when yeshiva throws the kid out and they don't follow up and they don't call to see how he's doing for years and years or at least a little bit they didn't do it because they cared about him they did it because they cared about them but if you really call that kid and you follow him that means you really care about him and when the parent has to make that decision that they're affecting Hashem, what do I do? And Hashem says, they're affecting the other kids, your kid has to go. But then you have to follow that kid, and you have to help that kid, and you have to get that kid a place to stay, and you have to give money to the child, and you have to help them grow and show them that I'm not throwing you out to protect the other kids, but I still love you. But if I don't follow up, that means you didn't throw me out to protect the other kids. You threw me out not because you love me, you threw me out because you love you. And we learned this from Avram Avinu. He learns from a picket of Eliezer. Avram Avinu went twice. And the godless, which I love, because it follows my, I guess I follow them. I don't, I don't follow, Avram Avinu is not following me. The godless is, listen to this. Today, we would take this father, the therapeutic world, and the 
twisted parenting world, right? Avram Avinu was untwisted parenting. The twisted parenting world would take Avram Avinu and talk about, put him on, on the internet? Forget it. You threw your kid out of the house. Listen to this. You threw your kid out of the house. You come to visit him. And you leave him a message. You're married to the wrong woman. You better get rid of her. Where do you have a right to tell me what to do, Dad? You threw me out of the house, Dad. Now you're going to tell me what to do? What a chutzpah. What an abusive father. Not bad if you threw me out. Now you're coming and you're interfering in my life. You threw me out and now you want to interfere in my life? Yishmael, low life. Russia. You didn't do tshuva yet. Low life. My father really loves me. He really cares about my household. He doesn't want me to have a wife that doesn't give people food to drink. Immediately, he got rid of her. A lesson. We'd be like, you don't have a right to tell your kid what to do. If you throw him out, you have no right. We have a right to tell him what to do. Avram had no fear. He was straight parenting. He's like, listen to me. I love you. And if I love you, I don't help you do the wrong thing. I tell you when you're doing the wrong thing. So I left him a message. And he changed. And says to pick it up, that's love. Not helping your kid do the wrong thing. Love is showing, going back to your shmuel, coming back, not just throwing him out, following him, but saying, you know what? Just because I threw you out doesn't mean I don't care about you. This is not good for you. This is going to hurt your children and your grandchildren. This is going to hurt you having such a wife. This is going to affect your DNA. So I'm going to leave you a coded message. I don't want to hurt her feelings, so I'm not telling her anything. Leave you a coded message. This house will not be able to exist. And in girls, if you watch, the first time he left the house, he didn't bench it. He didn't bench that house. Because he understood that his bracha, on the first house, where they're not giving chesed and they're not giving water or food to people, cannot be mekayim. The second time he came, and she said, I'll give you bread and water, and she gave him bread and water, Amud, he stood, umispalel, umavarech. He blessed, and he benched the house. Because this was a house that could be benched. It's a house of chesed. And it says, and the house filled up with good because he really did love Yishmael. Unbelievable. He loved him very, very much. Something happened that at that point he had to, he had to let him out of the house. And Yishmael knew that. In the end, the true love and the discipline or criticism about what your house looks like right now, Yishmael understood that it came from a good place. And the picket the Rebbe says, because of that, Yishmael did tshuva. And he ended up becoming a tzaddik. And that's what Yitzhak saw. Yitzhak saw that he had a brother going back to the beginning of the parsha that was totally black. It was totally a Russia. He was a para Adam. And he saw that he could come back to do tshuva. What we didn't know when I started in the beginning was how did he come back to tshuva? Why did he come back to tshuva? He came back to tshuva because of the love of a parent. Because of the love of a parent. And his mother, you see, every time he was out, he was out with his mother. So his mother and his father loved him very, very much, even though his father had to discipline him. And because of that, he came back. She didn't have that. Rivka, Lavan, and Besul, the Rosham. They didn't have the love that Avram had for his child. They didn't have the discipline. That, so, so she never saw a Russia come back. Avram knew. Avram knew how to make a Russia come back. Avram knew, you're still my child, and I still care about you, and I'm still going to tell you what to do. My father used to always tell me, even after I'm dead, I'm coming to you in a dream, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Don't you think that my... Because people you say, you know, my chinuk is over, what's the mechanic of my children? I'm not mechanic of my grandchildren. My father used to say, I don't understand that. 
your, 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 your job of chinuch is never over. Ever, ever. Grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you, said, you used to tell me, it's not over, and when I'm not here anymore, I'll still tell you what to do. <laughs> he hasn't yet, but... <laughs> anyway, you should all be benched that Taka, we should only send messages to each other about good news. We should have so much good news to send to each other, the Rav Yavatsoyer and the Yitzhahara and all his, his, his low-life mazikim and everything else should serve the younger brother, which is Klai Yisrael. We should see that when Mashiach, when Harry, Amen. Amen. Very important share. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.